Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Kathy. Yes, Tobin. I'd like to tell you about a little thing I call the Power Rangers predicament. <laughs> okay. Imagine, if you will, you're a young, gay, Asian boy. Okay. And you are playing Power Rangers with your friends. Yeah. And you're trying to figure out which one you are. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you can't. Because the Power Rangers conveniently split up the identities among the different Rangers. Yeah. So the Black Ranger was Black. Yep. The Yellow Ranger was, are you fucking kidding me, Asian. Yep. Yeah, she was. And then the Blue Ranger was, even though we didn't know it at the time, Mm -hmm. the Gay Ranger. Can I also interject, of the two female Rangers, one got a skirt and one didn't. Oh, the pink ranger wore a skirt. The pink ranger wore a skirt. So I remember very explicitly, like, as a kid, when we would play Power Rangers, I was like, I'm just going to make one up because there's not one for me. What color ranger were you? I feel like I had to pick a color that wasn't taken. Maybe I was the gold ranger. This is why I think it's actually much easier to figure out who you are as a Ninja Turtle. I was literally (laughs) just thinking that. Get the fuck out. From WNYC Studios, this is Nancy. With your hosts, Tobin Lowe and Kathy Tu. Will you explain the YouTube series that you guys have created? Sure. I mean, it's it's okay. It's um <laughs> <laughs> Just between us. I'm Allison Raskin. I'm Gabby Dunn. We have a comedy channel together because we're best friends and comedians. And we're an odd couple. That means one of us is different than the other one. It's a classic comedy routine. Gabby is by with bleach blonde hair and big glasses. We're doing some light cuddling, and I showed her the pilot of the L word, but she already hates Jenny, so she's perfect. And Allison is straight, with long brown hair and a total frankness about mental health stuff. I sat alone in public, Gabby. You know I start to cry when I see people sitting alone in public. Just Between Us is this zany sketch series that makes comedy out of things totally normal and completely batshit. And it has millions of views. But it all started as just two women becoming friends in maybe the most dude-centric scene of all, the world of Los Angeles comedy. We met at an open mic where you had to sign up because we were both doing stand-up at the time. And I think she was just like, there's not a lot of women in comedy. So if another girl is there, usually I'll try to talk to them. But you came up to me. Yeah, and- it was very lonely. <laughs> and I had just moved to L.A. and you were sort of like more aggressive about trying to be my friend. Like You would invite me to stuff. Yeah, I wanted a friend. Yeah. And then I would, I didn't know what your deal was, but most of my life, up until that point, straight girls had just sort of turned. <laughs> well, the, one of the first times we hung out, you asked me so much about bisexuality. So I was like, she must be. Like, I did? Yeah. Oh. So I was like, she must be whatever, thinking about it or something. But I think you're just a nice person who asks questions. Mm-hmm. And so there was one time where we hung out and we you dropped me off at my house and we were talking in your car for like 40 minutes. And then I came out and went to my roommates in my apartment and was like, me and this girl are in love. Like, we're going to date. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) I would think that, too. I know. But then we started this way before we, like, were super best friends. Oh, okay. What? You thought we were best friends? (laughs) I don't know. Allison! Oh, man. 
Okay, fast forward to now. What's your relationship like today? I mean, I feel as though we are married. We've certainly had the ups and downs of a marriage. I feel like I'm prepared for marriage now because of you. Oh, absolutely. It's interesting. I mean, we're obviously shipped all the time. I'd say the hardest part is how to not feel like we're queer baiting. Mm. Yeah, but it's also strange because queer baiting, I think, usually implies that both people are straight and want, you know, like, usually when shows get accused of queer baiting, both characters are straight and there's not like a character who actually says the word bisexual, identifies as bi. Uh, I think like a lot of shows have people who just go, I don't want to label or they go, uh, they date, you know, like Willow on Buffy, right? She was dating Oz and then they, she was dating Tara and I don't think she ever used the word bisexual. Mm. They, she was just gay now. Yeah. Um, and so I... But isn't that how it works? my favorite bit is when Allison pretends she's never heard of bisexuality it's so great it's been going on for years Um, I've heard of it I just I don't believe it oh Oh. no what a what a good bit I'm just kidding (laughs) I've seen it firsthand many times (laughs) yeah wait so I'm curious like do you have fans who call you out on queer baiting and like how do you uh, respond to that I feel like I'm actually queer and also vocal about that. So mm. I don't know. Do we skate by? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I, also, you're we, vocal about your sexuality, too. Yeah. I mean, I think that, like, we address it head on in a lot of ways. Like, there's a sketch called Gay Allison. I'm just no longer your one straight friend. I'm finally queer like everyone else. And then, like, it becomes revealed that it's just because I thought a girl was pretty. <laughs> yeah. And Gabby we, has to be like, that's not gay. <laughs> that's like yeah, we, just appreciating the female form. <laughs> yeah, we sort of do a lot of breaking the fourth wall, winking to the audience type stuff. Well, so Gabby, you identify as queer. Allison, you're straight. How does that shape what you have on the show and the conversations you have? One of my favorite episodes is when I in the show had been dating primarily women. And then I come to Allison because I started dating a man and I need advice about it. And there's like, Allison sort of like breaks down and is just like, oh my God, the straight community has so many rules. It's crazy. She's like, in the straight world, you may date another woman's ex if one, she has died. End of list. And I say that like in the women loving women world, it's just you introduce your ex to people like you you're just like assuming that all your friends are dating each other and it doesn't matter and so at the end of the episode I say I'm so glad to be queer and Allison goes yeah it's really a privilege get your head out of your ass Gabby this isn't the lovey-dovey feel-good world of queer dating this is the cutthroat heteronormative shit the rest of us have to deal with and I think like there's this fun reversal where my thing is I'm actually like super happy and like great with my life and Allison who might seem like she has it easier for being straight is actually like (laughs) crumbling (laughs) I love that and that's been fun to play with so something I think you both do really well is you're able to talk about difficult things like sexuality and mental illness without stigma or taboo and like how do you go about doing that we just wanted to normalize a lot of stuff because that's how we would talk in real life Hmm. I wouldn't like come to you crying about being bi because I've been I've kind of I've known since I, mean, I was you, 12 like you have you have <laughs> done that but not that often <laughs> yeah I mean I think that like it's just making you know and this is different but like in the way that like when you watch 
when like there's more diverse casts, mm-hmm. but like it's not acknowledged that there's diversity in the cast. It's just you're just watching a diverse cast and something. Yeah. That's sort of like how we approach it. We just talk about like it's not a and now in this very special episode. Yeah. It's just like part of our everyday life, so it's incorporated into all of the videos. For those of you not in the know, uh, OCD stands for Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. I thought you were going to say, for those of you not in the know, I have OCD. And I was about to be like, everyone knows that. I think people have really responded to Allison's mental health conversation. Like, I think because you're so open about stuff because it's been going on for so long for you that you I don't think you realize how stigmatized it is because you're so open about it. And then when people comment or write to us, they're like so happy to hear someone talking that way. But I think for you, it's just, yeah, obviously, why wouldn't I? Mm. But people love it. the same with you and, you know, LGBT polyamory stuff. Yeah, but I think people appreciate, I mean, I always say, like, I have the privilege to talk about this stuff because my family doesn't care. None of my friends care. I'm not going to lose my job. Like, nothing bad is going to happen to me if I talk about this stuff. And I remember when I was younger and I really thought bad stuff was going to happen. So if I have the privilege now of, like, I pay for all my shit and I, like, nothing's going to happen to me, then I should be as vocal as possible. It seems like you guys share and talk about basically everything. And are there things that you wouldn't share with each other? No. (laughs) <laughs> you had one secret from me and you, like, were exploding. What was it? The thing where the guy at Paramount said I was o- aggressive or something. Oh, yeah. We pitched to Paramount and my manager at the time was like, yeah, like, they love you, but they hate Gabby. Oh, my God. And, and I was like, Allison kept that for me and then for later. For, like, a year. I don't think we're there yet. I Yeah, I don't think Kathy and I are there yet. No. One day. Oh, that's we so sad. That <laughs> what are you keeping from each other? Goals. Share it. Have a moment. Have a moment. A genuine moment, Tobin. Tell me a thing. Tell her a secret. I think that one thing that I am definitely navigating, if I'm being totally honest, is that I wasn't anticipating that there, without us intending it or creating it, that there would be, like, a competitive aspect to it. Oh, yeah. That's where, true. Where, like, you know, you it, inevitably you have, like, fans who are like, oh, Kathy's my, you know, my jam. And yeah. you can't help but read that and be like, Holy shit, like this is, there's going to be this divide and now I have to feel weird about that. Yeah, did you guys have that? I mean, we had a we had a lot of stuff because there, you know, there was a point where we like kind of weren't really friends anymore. Um and but then, we were still doing the channel. Yeah, so that was rough. Um and then we bounced back stronger than ever. Well, both of us it was very funny because when we hashed it out, it was like both of us just wanted the other one to love us. Like we were so nervous. That the no, other I one was more just mad. No, you wanted <laughs> no, we were both like crying. It yeah. was like we we I just didn't I was like, I'm upset that you don't like me anymore. Like I was so stressed during that time, my hair was falling out. It was horrible. Yeah, wasn't it a wasn't a great time. I would like cry to my manager and he'd be like, Oh, I don't want to hear this. Um but then, you know, if you look like we didn't miss a video, <laughs> you know, like it's still your job, you still have to do the work. You know, you then you come out of it. I think you have to let go of a lot of pettiness and a lot of competition, a lot of jealousy, and a lot of, like, you know, realizing the differences, like... Are okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for talking to us. Yeah, thanks so much for taking the Thank time. Thank you so much for having us. Go share some secrets. Gabby Dunn and Allison Raskin have a YouTube channel called Just Between Us, and they've got a new YA book out this month called I Hate Everyone But You. Nancy will be back in a minute.
All this fall, we're looking into what it means to be out at work. How do you navigate how much of who you are you share in the workplace? We're collecting stories, and we really want to hear yours. Like Damon, who works at a grocery store, he says being out is a good thing, but being the token gay is not so great. Coworkers coming up to me all day long going, oh, look at him, isn't he cute, or isn't he hot? Or what do you think about the outfit that guy's wearing? Or think he's gay or not? And these are all things that, like, while I may be thinking in the back of my head, like, they're not professional. We want to hear about your experience for our Out at Work project. So head over to nancypodcast.org slash work and answer a couple questions for us. We'll share what we learned in a few weeks. You want to do one word each? Yeah. And we're back. (laughs) So we've been talking about how if you don't see yourself in a book or TV show or whatever, one thing you can do is make it yourself. And I thought this was the perfect opportunity to talk to Vivek Shreya, a Canadian poet, musician, and writer who just did this. She's got this children's book out now called The Boy in the Bendy. It's a story about a young boy who becomes fascinated by the dot his mother wears on her forehead. Ami, why do you wear that dot? What's so special about that spot? It's not a dot, says my Ami. It's not a spot, it's a bindi. What's a bindi? What does it do? My bindi keeps me safe and true. How does it do that, Ami? How? Well, when I stick it on my brow, my bindi tells me where I'm from. My bindi reminds me of my mom and when she gave me my first one. In my day job, I do anti homophobia and anti transphobia training. And in these trainings, I always have like um, well intentioned cis or straight people put up their hands and be like, well, so much has changed. The world is getting so much better. Don't you think? Have you seen children's books lately? And children's books are always conjured as this example or evidence of change. And I've always taken the word of well intentioned <laughs> straight cisgender people <laughs> at face value. But then I started looking into it. Um, so this children's cooperative center basically looked at all the children's books made in 2015 and looked at the diversity of them. And so like 1% featured indigenous children, 3% featured Latinx, 5% was Asian, but as in like pan-Asian, like all kinds of Asian (laughs) was like lumped together. And then I think black was like 8% of all children's books. And my favorite stat is 12% of all children's books made in 2015 featured trucks and vegetables. (laughs) And so there are actually were more children's books that featured trucks and vegetables in 2015 than children of color. And, you know, of course, these are are American stats and Canadians love to get like morally superior. But like, you know, we're not better (laughs) up here. We really aren't. And I ended up having a J.K. Rowling moment and just like I was so frustrated that I like wrote The Boy in the Bindi on a napkin. I wish I kept it. For me, I was really trying to think about like brown gender creative kids and like wanting and not specifically South Asian, not specifically Hindu, you know, like just brown, like, uh, you know, gender creative kids or LGBTQ kids to have a book that they could pick up and, and feel comforted by. What's the experience like when you get to read it to kids? I've been really fortunate enough to be invited into 
like elementary schools, which I mean, if you can close your eyes and imagine like a gymnasium of like, you know, little grade tours, you know, 50 of them waiting for you to read your story. It's like the sweetest, sweetest thing in the world. <laughs> and so you get invited, which is really lovely. But then as the students are asking you questions in the Q&A, like, what makes a boy a boy? <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, like, you know, the the principal and the teachers, they get so tense. Like, I was getting the, you know, the finger-rolling wrap-up signal from the back. So I was just uh, caught off guard. But then there's also the ways in which children find their own cultural references through the book or feel supported through the book for their own sort of cultural identification. So for example, there was this boy who put up his hand and talked about how his turban made him feel safe and true. Mm. And to me, that was so exciting because I thought about like my grade school experience and some of the kids that got picked on the most were like little Sikh kids who had turbans. And I think that's one of the things about quote-unquote diverse books is it's, you know, this book isn't specifically so that kids who want to wear bindis can see themselves reflected, but it's also just like a way to create room for people to celebrate difference across the board. You know, like the idea that a boy with a turban could sort of see himself reflected in a story about a boy with a bindi to me was like really exciting. In Indian culture, is there any flexibility on who gets to wear a bindi? I have found that there is um, a room for gender creativity. So, I mean, certainly men in India will wear, like, different forms of bindi, even if it's just, like, um, red powder or, like, some kind of, like, sacred powder on their forehead in the shape of a dot. So, uh, like, me wearing a bindi in India would be, like, nothing. But here, it was definitely a thing. So it sounds like being Hindu helped you understand yourself. Did it also help your family? Absolutely. So, I mean, I came out as trans a year ago, and I've been trying to, like, massage that conversation with my parents. And, Mm. you know, we actually have this deity, like this god in Hinduism, where it's split in two. So if you looked at it, it's literally right down in the middle is one side is a male god and one side is female. So within the mythology and the iconography, there's already this understanding or framework of, like, a bi-gendered god. And so I think... Hinduism gives my mom a framework to see me and to understand me, I think, which is really handy. What is your relationship right now with your parents like? It's such a bizarre thing. Like, I feel like my obsession with my parents just, like, amplifies the older I get. Like, (laughs) our prime minister that I know Americans love to celebrate, especially because of your president. Um, (laughs) And ours looks like a a Disney prince, which, you know, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. But, you know, he... (laughs) (laughs) he went to Halifax Pride. And so Halifax is like a small city too. It's not one of the major cities or a smaller city, I should say. Um, And it was a really big deal for like an acting prime minister to do that. Uh, But my mom sent me this article and she was like, this is so beautiful. Like, and it was photos of Trudeau at Pride. And, you know, of course I have such complicated feelings about pride and Trudeau and rainbows and all that. But it was one of those moments where I like, even though these things don't mean as much to me, it's become a way for my mom to talk to me mm-hmm. and to, to see my queerness. That's so funny. I feel the exact same way where like with my mom, she maybe struggled for a little while with 
with me coming out as gay. Mm-hmm. And then now we're at a place where I feel like she sends me every article she reads where it's like, <laughs> right, gay right, such right. and such does something. <laughs> or like, gay something has happened. Right. And it's like, it is that thing where you just want to be like, yes, thank you. I, <laughs> I appreciate it. I see you. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I feel like my mom in those moments, and perhaps your mom too, is saying like, I see you. Yeah. You know, like, I see you. I love you. You know, and that like, and that's what I mean too by like immigrant parents like or like racialized parents of queer kids. I think that they end up being not maybe as outward with their support. And these, you know, a Trudeau article ends up meaning so much more to me than anything because I know the intentions behind it. Does your mom wear a bindi and and does she <laughs> have thoughts when she sees you wear one? Yeah, so I mean like first of all she does wear a bindi and now when she goes to India she'll like buy me bindis or I've gone bindi shopping with her <laughs> and again that feels like such a lovely thing because words like trans or queer or LGBTQ are never used and they don't need to be, right? Like one of the things I found so frustrating last year when I came out was like I, I constantly was being asked like have you told your parents have you told your parents and it was like about coming out as trans and I was like but I was just bindi shopping with my mom like how important is it for me to say the words and I think I think it's a kind of white thing where you need to like name absolutely everything and if you're not saying everything using English in very specific ways then you're somehow being dishonest and mm. I would rather go bindi shopping with my mom than like sit and be like Mom, I'm a transgender person, you know, <laughs> like, and not from shame, not yeah. from shame, but mostly because I think that, like, the gesture of her shopping for what's a feminine, historically a feminine accessory with me feels like everything. Vivek Shreya is a Toronto-based artist, writer, and poet. Go to our website for pictures from The Boy and the Bindi, and I've got to tell you, the illustrations by Rajni Pereira are adorable. Right, credits time. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. We're at Nancy Podcast in all of those places. Also, don't forget to join our Out at Work project at nancypodcast.org slash work. Our producer, Matt Collette. Sound designer, Jeremy Bloom. Editor, Jenny Lawton. Executive producer, Paula Schumann. I'm Kathy Tu. I'm Tobin Lowe. And Nancy is a production of WNYC Studios. The only joke I can ever always remember is the two muffins in an oven joke. What's the two muffins in an oven joke? There's two muffins in an oven, and one says to the other, man, it's hot in here. (laughs) And the other one is like, oh, my God, a talking muffin. (laughs) You're laughing at it now. Oh, my God, you're really laughing at it. You're still laughing about it. It's such a good 